you try to share like what makes you real, you know, and it's not just those moments, those fairy tale moments of winning a gold medal, but it's the days where you want to quit and you don't want to go to training or it's snowing outside or whatever, you know, whatever it is. And you push yourself through those moments and, and, you know, it's worth it. Welcome to the Just Women Sports Podcast, where we talk to the biggest athletes in the world about the untold stories behind their success. I'm Kelly O'Hara, and my guest today is Nastia Lukin. Nastia Lukin is the definition of a gymnastics legend. At the 2008 Olympics in Beijing, she won five Olympic medals, including gold in the individual all around. Nastia also won four world championship golds in her career and was a four-time all-around U.S. national champion winning twice as a junior and twice as a senior. Altogether, Nastia won 32 international medals, including 15 gold in her gymnastics career. Nastia, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm stoked because you are our first gymnast to come onto the pod. (laughs) And you have more medals than I can keep track of from Olympics and world championships and national championships. And while I... My most advanced move I can do as a gymnast is a round off, which I'm pretty proud of. Gymnastics, I mean, that's advanced. Yeah, exactly. Gymna- <laughs> USA Gymnastics was like my first intro to female athletes, truly, from like the 1996 Olympics. So I feel like you were that for so many girls, you know, because sometimes like for me, I didn't even know I, I played soccer. I wasn't even a gymnast, but USA Gymnastics is like yeah. so freaking cool. So <laughs> I'm stoked to talk to you about that. And then I'm also excited because you're a first athlete who is retired and you've moved on from the sport and you have that mm-hmm. perspective of like what happens next and who am I and that sort of thing, which I'm really excited and interested to talk to you about today. But before we get to that, we're going to go back to the beginning because your story, your beginning is crazy. You were born in Moscow, Russia. I was. So yeah, both my parents were gymnasts. So um, (laughs) as the only child, gymnastics definitely was just like in my blood and in my genes. But, you know, they competed at the Olympics and the World Championships. So they knew how difficult the sport was and really any professional sport at that level. And so for me, um, we moved to the United States when I was about two and a half years old. Okay. And how did that move come about? Because I read your dad was on the 1987 Soviet stamp. Yeah. Is that true? <laughs> yeah, insane. which is crazy. I know. Um, so yeah, so he competed at the 88 games the year after. Um, they won two gold and two silver medals. And and re- so I was born in a few years after that. And okay. for them, they really, two reasons. Basically, they wanted to give me the best possible life that they could. But also they had a dream and their dream was to open up a gymnastics school one day and coach their own athletes to becoming, you know, hopefully world and Olympic champions. Never imagined be their own daughter ever, but they weren't able to do that in Russia. You know, it was, everything was very government run. I'm not really sure what it's like now, but they didn't have like the freedom to open up their own gymnastics club. And so they were like, you know what, like we're going to do this. And so we moved from Moscow to New Orleans the week of Mardi Gras. Oh my God, no (laughs) way. Yeah. And my parents were like, oh my God, what are we doing in this country? They spoke no English, um, really had like no money, just a baby and a dream. And um, I think we stayed there about nine months. And then, you know, funny you, you bring up Atlanta, but it was right before the 96 games. And so, you know, obviously 
with any Olympic sport, um, but especially I think gymnastics around the Olympics, like every little kid that watches it, like looks and they're like, I want to do that. So the popularity, you know, with the sport definitely is, is always at a high around an Olympic year. So they were trying to decide if they wanted to open up their own gym in Atlanta, given the um, 96 games or Texas. And Houston was a hot, hot spot for gymnastics at the time. Okay. And it was kind of like migrating towards Dallas and no idea. They just decided like, we're going to go with Dallas. And yeah. And so we ended up in, in Dallas and I grew up here and lived here all the way up until, and trained obviously all the way up until I um, went to school in New York. And um, now I'm back here. So it's, it's great to be home, but basically like the beginning was just them trying to convince me to not do gymnastics. Yeah, I was, so because you guys, they, yeah, you get to Dallas. They, they, mm-hmm. I assume, open their own gym. Yes, they did. Um, it took, you know, took some time, probably at least a year, I would say. Okay. And you're how old at that point? Gosh, I don't know. I'm getting my timeline wrong. You're like, young. You're a little four kid. Four or five. Okay. Yeah, I'm young. Like, I'm young where it's like you know, you can just let your child just do what they want kind of and like run around, but it's not like, oh, we're putting you in this. And they couldn't afford a babysitter. Um, Every, it was like penny to penny, everything went into this gym and like trying to start this business. And wow. And so then all of a sudden, you know, so I spent all my time at the gym when I wasn't going to preschool, kindergarten and then school. And they just started noticing that I would start trying to copy the older girls. And they were like, oh, shoot, like, she's actually like really good Good. (laughs) and she knows what she's doing and no one's even teaching her like okay fine we'll put her into first it was classes then pre-team then team and then it was just they tried so hard my my mom's biggest thing was she made me take piano lessons and I cried every single week I had to go (laughs) and I was like Like, I could be like during the lessons or before like before, during and after, like, I hate this. I never want to do this. Like, and then my teacher was just not my favorite. And, um, so she made me go for a few months and then I was like, I'm never going to play the piano and like so much respect for musicians, but it was just not right. for me. Like I just yeah. wanted to be in the gym and yeah, my mom was my first coach. Okay. Um, it did not go that well. She was, ve- she's very much like the most amazing person, but just like almost like too nice. Like I, if I'd oh, say like, yeah, if I was like, oh, I'm tired. Okay, honey, like go sit down. Uh, and my dad was just like, okay, like, well, if you're going to do it, like, <laughs> you know, why are you well telling her? Well. Yeah. And, um, but he wanted nothing to do with it. He was like, I want just my relationship with, you know, like a father daughter relationship. And then okay. I had wait, this. Wait, other- wait, wait. Okay. So I have to, so your parents are coaching other people though, correct? Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we had like a bunch of other coaches at the gym. My mom, okay. it was just kind of, it was never like, oh, your mom's the best coach she's going to coach you. It was like, what, you know, it was kind of by age and level. And she happened to be coaching my group, I guess at okay. the time. And I had this other male coach and great, like a family friend still um, to this day, but I slipped, I was doing a release move and I slipped on the bar and I got a black eye. Okay. And my dad, <laughs> my dad literally was like, if you're doing gymnastics, I'm going to be the only one to coach you and spot you. I don't trust anyone. And it's not that he like didn't even trust that person because he still coaches at our gym, (laughs) but it was just like this like freak moment Mm -hmm. of him being a dad. And he was like, 
you know, it, gymnastics is such a dangerous sport. Yeah. I don't trust anyone. And, and if you're actually going to do this, like I want to coach you. Not because he was like, I want a gold medal at the Olympics. Like I think I'm, you know, going to be your best coach, but that's how it started. And so it was um, like, a, it was a fatherly yeah. instinct that took over that made him hundred percent. Yeah. To- it was, to- it was totally a safety thing. Um, I think okay. they really, really were hoping that I wasn't going to be good. <laughs> and I, th- oh, for sure. Yeah. Really? I think- Why? They just didn't, because they knew I, uh, like so pressure. many things, the pressure. Yeah. And then like, you know, they were world and Olympic champions and I'm the only child and now they're coaching me. And so it's like <laughs> pressure on me. Like I never felt the pressure because when you're a kid, you know, like you just do it because it's fun. Like you don't yeah. think about any of those things. I honestly didn't think of kind of like I never felt that pressure until Olympic trials when someone was like, so like, don't you feel a lot of pressure to live up to, you know, the expectations of what your dad achieved at the Olympics, two gold and two silver medals. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> I was like, I haven't even made the Olympic team yet. You know, That's crazy um, and that, that was you, you didn't pers- like you didn't even think of those expectations until you were like on the I brink didn't. of being in it. I thought it was just so cool that my dad and and mom had both done what I wanted to do. I thought of it more as like, this is so cool. My my parents are world Olympic champions. That's what I want to do. Like, how cool. And I think the other thing that was really great, and I didn't realize this growing up until I was older, but if you were to walk into their house, like none of our medals are anywhere. Like, his four Olympic medals were rolled up in some little bag in the basement. Like I didn't see them until I think I like had to ask to see them. Do you remember any like big blow ups or like huge fights or did it always just remain professional in a way? I mean, at the end of the day, they always told me like, you can quit any like we're we're just trying to help you achieve your dreams. You know, like this isn't for us. Like this is for you. Um, We've already done what we, you know, kind of wanted to do. (laughs) We did Um, it. (laughs) Yeah, we did it. So good luck. No, I'm just kidding. So I think for them, it, it really was just them since day one, you know, finding your biggest passion and something that makes you so happy and feel fulfilled and something that you love. And I'm like, yes, you're, the days are going to be hard. Like we'd yeah. all be lying as athletes if we said it was just like amazing every single day. And like, um, you don't wake up every other day being so sore and tired and, and whatever. Yeah. But, but I think, you know, at the end of the day, we do it because we love it and we're passionate about it. And so I think that was their biggest goal was for me to find what that was. So whether it was gymnastics or, or playing the piano, like piano. whatever that was for me, um, they felt, you know, like they, they, they were happy to see me happy essentially. Yeah. And so, and I think that's also why it was so hard, even harder for them to see me go through hard times and injuries and obstacles and in times where I was frustrated or, you know, whatever. And, and my mom was, you know, she stopped coaching me after I was like five or six or however old I was, but <gasps> she was as much part of the team as, you know, my dad was as a coach, like she was our support system and our rock. And it was just as hard for her to have, you know, an upset child and an upset or angry husband come home. I mean, it was like the dynamic sometimes. Yeah, it was tough. So like, God bless her because um, she (laughs) held us together during those tough times. But but ultimately, you guys were all like wanting the same thing, you know, so regardless of getting in fights or upset with each other, you're working towards one goal. Yeah. At what point did you, or age, did you realize, mm-hmm. like, or they realize, or maybe both, 
that you had the potential to be who you ended up being? That's so hard to say. I think, well, I think from the very beginning, I was always, so my mom was a rhythmic gymnast. So um, can you explain that to everyone? Yes, I can. Yes. So basically there's two types of gymnastics, artistic gymnastics is which, you know, my dad and I both did that. So for the girls, it's the vault, bars, beam and floor. For guys, there's six events. And so rhythmic gymnastics is basically, it's it's an Olympic sport but it is more artistic and graceful and like more like kind of dance. Like, so it's, you're just on the floor and you have like the hoop, the ribbon, the ball. Oh, yes. clubs. Okay. Yeah. Yes. So that's what she did. So, but like, they're like extremely flexible and graceful. And like, mostly it's like, if you're an artistic gymnast, you're like powerful, kind of shorter, muscular, and can like tumble and like flip and, and all that. And then if you're a rhythmic gymnast, you're a little taller, skinnier, longer, and you're just super flexible. So, so yes, I, of course, basically. yeah. So I, of <laughs> course, had her body type. And so I think people are also like, why is she even doing, you know, the other gymnastics? Like she's never going to be able to tumble. And, and so I think early on, you know, it, doubters like from the very beginning we're just like okay great she's really good on you know she's very flexible and and graceful and artistic and she's good on bars and beam the two events that like don't require as much strength but vault and tumbling were never really my strong events because I lacked that power like no matter how much conditioning I did, I was never going to be as strong as, you know, some of my Olympic teammates like Sean and Alicia. And like, they just, we had different body types. We had different strengths. And so I think it, it was really tough. I think it wasn't really until I made the junior national team when I was 12. So I think at 12, you know, the next step is basically the senior national team. And so it was just a few years away and it was kind of like, okay, you know, like, you're still far from the Olympics, but you're, you've made the, na- the junior national team at least. And, you, you know, I started competing internationally. And so you yeah, start can you thinking, explain, can you explain what yeah. making the junior national team means? Cause like for mm-hmm. soccer, we go to camps right, and we yes. like sometimes play international games, but so there's yeah. the junior and then the senior. So kind of walk us through that. Cause I don't fully understand it. Yeah. So basically we have a national championships. There's a qualifier nationals and and then our nationals. And in every year it kind of changed depending on um, Olympic year, the amount of people that made the national team. I think there was like a few more, but like say like the top 10 to 15 juniors make the national team. And then in the senior competition, uh, same amount of people or maybe less, maybe more depending on the year. And, um, but basically every single month we would go to training camps together. So it's, it's one national team essentially. Um, and so, yeah, we would have camps every single month. So it was kind of cool because, you know, I wasn't old enough for the 2004 Olympic games in Athens, but I was going to camps alongside essentially the Olympic team. So you got to see them train. And then some of my teammates at my parents' gym here, Carly Patterson actually won the gold medal at the Olympics in 2004. And she was my teammate here. And, and so that was really cool to kind of go through and like, see, I'm like, okay, well, she trained on that same beam and she did the same things. And, and before her, it was Mary Lou Retton, which was 20 years before an American, you know, an American gymnast had won. So, so she kind of like set that bar to make American gymnasts believe again, like that we could be competing with, you know, the Russians and the Romanians and the Chinese. And for sure. So, yeah. So I, so anyways, sorry, backtracking to the national team. So once you make the national team, you can compete internationally, but you have to be selected. Okay. 
And to make the national team, how do you yeah. get picked for that? There's a club world of gymnastics, I assume, or I yeah. don't know what you call it, yeah. where you're competing and do the coaches see you and that you get invited or do you like go through a trial to make the junior team? Yeah. So it's basically a, it's um, a step-by-step process. So you have to, so <laughs> the levels are like one through 10 and then elite. Okay. And once you, <laughs> and you have to like to qualify to elite. You okay. have to go to an elite qualifier and get a certain score, okay. basically. And then once you're an elite, then it's by age. So then it's junior or senior by age. And you okay. compete at the same national championships. But the rankings are just your total all around, your total scores. And then like okay. the top, however many make it. So Got so it. You're, you're being judged by the same judges. You know, the rules are the same. It's literally just the age difference. So it kind okay. of is nice, too, because you can take your scores and, you know, put them amongst the athletes that are going to the Olympics that year. And so I think that's why in 2004, like I wasn't old enough, but looking at the rankings at like trials, um, technically I could have made the team. And, and I think that was also when people were like, Oh, okay. Like, yes, she's not old enough, but in four years with experience and, you know, four more years of training, then like she, she's on the track, I guess. Yeah. How okay? So how old do you have to be to make the Olympics? What's the cutoff? sixteen? Yeah, 16, you have to be turning like, sixteen by the end, of, like December thirty first. So that's something that blows my mind about gymnastics is that, and you you say you know you didn't you were too young to make the two thousand four Olympics, mm-hmm. and if you probably would have been if you would have been old enough, you more than likely would have made it just based on scores. Mm-hmm. What you know, a lot of your coaches said, or the people within U.S. Mm-hmm. gymnastics. Yeah, but I would be so mad if I was good enough and couldn't go. yeah it was like I like I think I I also just knew that it was I don't know I knew that I wasn't good enough to win an Olympic all-around gold medal like I could have made the team but you weren't like oh this is I'm gonna be peaking oh yeah for sure not like I knew I still needed those four years um to get better and stronger and especially like you know, I was, as I kind of said, like I wasn't powerful and strong. And so I needed those four years to kind of like develop into a strong gymnast, even though I never was, but, um, so yeah, so I think, oh my God. And also the experience. I mean, like, you know, it's like going to your first international, like you are so like, you have no idea what is going on. So I competed at three world championships um, you know, after the Athens Olympics that I wasn't old enough. So then the next three years we have worlds every year. And then just being able to compete there, like the experience that I gained competing internationally really like set me up for the Olympics, um, in 2008. Yeah, yeah I guess, but it's just like, it gymnastics. <laughs> I know, no, yeah, I know, I know, yeah. I know, I know. I'm like, yeah. but I, I was thinking no. about today when I was like preparing for this, I was like, you gymnast has such a finite window to go to the Olympics. Like you have yeah. maybe, maybe one shot, maybe two. And if you're lucky too. <laughs> yeah. And like, really, yeah. it's really only the people who are either 15 turning 16 in their first one and then 20 in their second one. Like if right. you end up falling in the, like your so first like one, me. 17, 18. Yeah. Yeah. You're kind of like shit out of luck, you know? Well, yeah. So I was, I was 18 about to turn 19 in like a month or two. And so, and that was kind of, it's so funny. Cause it's like, I commentate now for NBC and now they're like my colleagues, but, um, and they know, like I talk about this all the time, but it's like the whole storyline was that, you know, this, this 
we were rivals, Sean and I, like mm, Sean was yes. kind of the favorite to win. And, but we were like kind of going back and forth one, two all year. And um, mostly her, because I just, I was coming back from an injury the year before. And, um, but she was like that quote unquote perfect age, you know, of turning 16, the Olympic year. And I was about to be 19. And so the whole thing was that I was too old and that mm. I was past my prime. And, um, you know, like, yeah, maybe I'd make it, but there was no chance that I was going to win. And, and did um, you show them? <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it, I've, I'm always like, even to this day, like I still have to remind myself, um, people's words just like always affect me. And so like as an athlete, oh yeah, like not as much now, but like as an athlete, like when you're, you train essentially your whole life and you're in the gym every single day, seven hours a day, six days a week. And my dad was finally like, okay, that's it. Like you're not allowed. And thank God there was no social media then. Like I didn't have Instagram or Twitter. I think I had like Facebook, but he was like, you're not like, yeah, you can give your interviews, whatever you need to do, but you're not allowed to read them because it's one thing to say what you're saying, but you know, like people can twist your words and and make it anyway. And it can affect you either way, whether it's negative or if it's positive, like sometimes too much confidence is not great, you know? (laughs) So, yeah. So I think, um, that was probably the best thing that had happened was I just stopped listening to everybody else and started just truly focusing on, my gymnastics and and I stopped trying to compete against anyone else too. And, and my dad was, was very much a, um, numbers person. So like he would like write things down and like essentially, you know, yes, gymnastics is a very subjective sport. Um, one judge could like you, the other one just could not. Um, I want to talk about that. That is wild to me. I could never play that type or compete in that (sighs) type of way. It's just so, I I have a lot of respect for people who do and, you know, do it gracefully because I would, it just feels like there's no way that it's ever going to be like, well, it's like, you know, it's so hard. Like compare it to like, even just in life, whether it's a friend or a relationship or something like trying to convince someone to like you or trying to convince someone to be like, no, really like you should be my friend or you should pick me. You know, it's like, that's kind of like at some, like what it feels like sometimes I remember at the world's, I think it was the year before the Olympics. It was an even bar finals. And I was like, kind of supposed to win. Like I, I was, I was definitely supposed to medal and I ended up winning silver, which by the way, like, like I was very proud to win silver, but I also think that silver and fourth place are the two toughest places to be in because you're like, I was so close to winning a gold. And if you're in fourth, you're like, I was so close to meddling. So I just obviously proud, but it's, they're tough. And so my dad, right there, that's that's just the reality (laughs) of the situation. My dad literally like went up to the judge, like, cause all the, like, they're all the same judges, like over the years. So it's like, everyone knows everyone. And he, you know, went up just to have like a very nice casual conversation, like just wanted to know like what, you know, what was it basically? Yeah. Yeah. Like it was very, like, it was, it was a very subjective kind of like she won, like she deserved whatever. And that's literally what the judge said. I liked her, her, the other girl's routine better. And what? my dad Is she was allowed like, to say that? <laughs> I mean, not really. I don't think. Um, but it was after the competition. He was just like, Oh, okay. Got it. You know? And so that was, I think the first time where I was like, 
oh, this is like not really a fair sport. You know, (laughs) it's like you can do the best routine that you possibly can. And at the end of the day, it's not up to you. And I think that was the moment where I was like, all right, like I have to stop worrying about the outcome because it's so out of your control. You know, like you can do the best possible routine and still not win, you know? So it's like, as long as you can, and it sounds like so cliche, but it's like, as long as you can end your day knowing that you tried your best and in in your heart, you know, like there's nothing else you can do, you know? Sure, you're like, I nailed that. And if they don't, if they they liked her routine more than mine, nothing I can do about it. (laughs) Yeah, like I can't go beg, like, wait, please (laughs) give me the goal. (laughs) Yeah, so, so yeah, it's an interesting sport for sure. Like, yeah. Yeah, props. My mother was a gymnast, so mm-hmm. I, I don't know how she was able to do it either because I don't think she passed on her like gracefulness in terms of <laughs> handling a subjective <gasps> opinion of myself. <laughs> no, I do but, have to uh, say, I feel like it it definitely like made my skin pretty thick. Like That's good. That's a great thing. <laughs> yeah. Like silver lining For right sure. there. Oh yeah, but, absolutely. Or gold lining. Gold lining. We'll go with gold. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so... You you have a fantastic junior career. You make the junior national team or you call it junior mm-hmm. national team at 12. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you make the senior team. Is that you make it when you're 16? Yeah, you have to be six. So 15, okay. 16. Moving yeah. into it. Okay. Mm-hmm. You have you win some gold. You win maybe a couple silvers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and you you miss the 2004 Olympics, but you, you, know, you go and you have these experiences of winning these world championships, which... Mm-hmm obviously led you to a place where you were ready for 2008. But going in to 2008, you had a pretty serious injury. Mm-hmm. Um, or 2007 you did, and it was yeah. an ankle injury. So tell me about that because I also, I, I am, I feel you. I have had, my ankles are not my most favorite body part. <laughs> yeah, I do have to say like I, to this day, I'm so lucky that my dad was my coach and the way that he trained me was just always like, you know, it was always quality over quantity. And and he knew that especially the body type that I had, like it couldn't handle the amount of like pounding and repetition that so many other gymnasts could do or athletes yeah. in general, just because I was a little bit more frail um, mm-hmm. than I think, you know, some other people. And And so the injury that I had, it was on the trampoline. Like I was at training camp, but I wasn't even doing like anything very difficult. Like I was doing a front layout with like a one and a half, like nothing, nothing hard at all. I went crooked and just rolled my ankle off the mat and three days before we left for Worlds. So that year at Worlds, I traveled in a wheelchair, couldn't walk. Yeah, luckily we got there like a few weeks before the competition. And so I was still put on the world team for one event. I competed bars, um, couldn't do my dismount until like the day before. Like I literally couldn't couldn't walk. Um, oh my God, you you went to world in a wheelchair. Yeah. What? Literally. Yeah, I guess bars was always my best event. And if okay. the team lacked kind of anywhere that year, it was bars and the alternate, I guess they kind of looked at, okay, if we just took Nastia and had her do bars and her potential score would elevate, you know, our team oh. score of X amount of points. Or if we, you know, I think there was like two or three alternates, like let's take, you know, one of the alternate scores and kind of, it's like a puzzle piece. And so yeah, at, at the end of the day, it was just, we can afford to take her for in one event in a wheelchair, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like not my crowd is wheelchair. And, so and embarrassing. Put her on the bars. 
Yeah. And like, she'll be fine. Like tape it up. And that's what I did. Wait, can I ask you when you were preparing and you weren't doing the dismount, would you mm-hmm. just like do the routine and then slow down? Yes. And, like somebody would like, pick you up stop. off the bars? Oh yeah. My dad had literally. <laughs> so you'd just be it's hanging like, there really... like, okay, I'm done. Yeah. Like I, I couldn't jump down. I know. Oh, I feel God. like this is like, I know it's like sad, but it's funny. It is funny. Because, you be laughing, because it it's is, like, yeah. well, no, but it's like, who goes to the world championships and like they can't walk? Like you don't no, that's, like that's not yeah, it's not normal. I feel like that's but, but you really know. freaking good that you're you're so good. They were like, no, 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 we'll take her. But you know, I mean, it's like I'm not saying or I'm not encouraging anybody to to like fight through like that much pain and whatever. And and it wasn't no one made me do it. Yeah. Um. But I was determined, and I did not want to miss a world championships. <laughs> so yeah. So that's that's what I did. And then um, the recovery was just. Did you get surgery or no? Yeah, I did. So doing a few dismounts and and finally being able to kind of like walk, it got a little worse just because the bone chips went like behind my Achilles tendon. And and then I just kind of kept re-injuring it. Like ankles are just, you know, one little like short landing, one like rolling just a little bit would constantly. So it was it was very challenging the year before the Olympics at our nationals. We compete two days in a row. So we have four events. So eight routines and out of the eight routines, I fell six times. And so now this is the year before the Olympics. So, you know, you're supposed to be like, I'm on my way to like being my best ever. Sharp. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I had the worst year, obviously, oh, of my no. entire career. And so that was kind of when I say like people started not believing in me, like they kind of had <laughs> a reason to, I guess, after that nationals. But it was also I wasn't prepared. I wasn't I was injured still. You yeah. know, I wasn't able to put in the time and, and, and all of that. And, um, so, so the nationals came after you had surgery and you had started to rehab, but you were just getting back into it and you like went to the competition and weren't at your sharpest. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, it was just, it was, it was a terrible year, but I also think it was the best thing that kind of could have happened because it's like, it just gave me like a little kick in the butt mm. of, you know, all right. This isn't like, guaranteed. Yeah. And so I think I like needed that like really low down to be able to, I remember like the New Year's Eve 2007. So like right before 2008 Olympic year, my dad and I were just like, okay, look, like no matter what happens, like come end of August when the Olympics are done, let's, let's just know that we did everything we absolutely could and we have no regrets, no matter the outcome, right? No matter if you make the Olympic team or not, no matter if you win a gold medal or not, like no matter anything, like let's just like put everything that we absolutely have into this because I don't want either of us to regret anything. Yeah. And so I think, what, and that like, that's literally what we did. And what did that look like for you? Like, do you, do you feel like you changed some things beginning of 2008? Yeah. Yeah, I definitely did. Um, A lot of it was I hate to run, (laughs) like absolutely despise it. I think that's like, like to this day, I just hate it in the year like that year I had to run like so much just for, you know, I mean, all the good I'm not going to tell you guys like everyone knows like why running is so great. But (laughs) I I just I hated it so much. And I hated conditioning like I was just Mm -hmm. always very weak. And yeah, it like he would build these like 
contraptions like with like bungees and I'd have to do like these squats like there were days where I would wake up and I was like I can't feel my legs how am I going to like go do a floor routine or like anything but it was leading me up to be the strongest quickest fastest best that I ever was in my entire life and when you're going through that it is so hard but then like and you don't see like you know the end like the 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 light at the end of the tunnel but he obviously saw it he had been through it so he knew and so that's when I just had to put everything aside and kind of trust in his plan and his guidance and and I knew at the end of the day like it would work but it was it was hard yeah and I feel like the the hardest things in life are the ones worth doing a hundred percent you know and I also think it's like you know I was like the toughest on myself. Like my, no one needed to be like strict or hard on me. Like I just, I think my biggest fear in life and in sports, just life in general, business, anything is, is regret. Mm. And the fear of having any kind of regret and thinking like I could have done another Beamer teen. I could have worked a little bit harder. I could have, you know, whatever that could have kind of kept me up at night for many years. And so I just kind of like made a promise to myself, like whatever you decide to do in any aspect of your life, just give it your all. You know, it's no matter what the outcome is, like it doesn't mean that you have to win an Olympic gold medal in every single area of your life or, and that's not what defines you as a person, like your success. But I think just knowing that you don't have a regret, you know, like that, that you can go to sleep at night knowing you gave it your all, no matter the outcome. I'm curious, what did your day to day look like leading in to the Olympics? Mm Because I feel like a lot of people, I mean, all sports have their craziness in terms of training, Mm -hmm. but gymnastics, I feel like is just another level. Yeah. Well, (laughs) I graduated high school the year before the Olympics. So that was kind of like the greatest thing because Olympic year, I was just really able to focus on training and recovery and rest. But before that, I went to public school up until fifth grade. And then fifth grade is when I started training twice a day. So I would train eight to 12 in the morning. Then I'd go to school 1230 to three. And then I'd train again from four to seven went home. So, you know. so seven hours a day. Mm-hmm. Sunday was our day off. Saturday, we had half days. So just eight to 12 <laughs> lived for Saturdays <laughs> or Saturday after 12. Yeah. Yeah. So I've always forget like how old you are in grade school, but yeah, since fifth grade, basically up until I retired at, you know, 22, it was intense. Yeah. So you go into 2008 being like, this is my year. I'm going to do everything <laughs> I have to do. You end up making the Olympics. What was that like for you? you? You made the team and then like heading to Beijing. So at our Olympic trials, only the top two made it. Um, so Sean won trials. I got second. So we were named to the team. Then we had a second trials at our training camp. But basically we were told at Olympic trials that even though we like, quote unquote, made the team, like our spots were not guaranteed. Oh my um, God. Yeah, that we had to basically like prove and show readiness at our training camp. And by the way, like all like, I don't know if there was like 12 of us or something, everyone that went to the final selection camp, we all packed as if we were going to the Olympics. And then like six of us went to China from there and then like the rest did not. So that was 
that was brutal. So anyways, we didn't really like believe it until we were all on a plane. I think we like got on the plane and we were like, the door has now been shut. <laughs> and it we wasn't, were like, even, it oh, wasn't okay. even checking the bags at the airport. It was like, oh, no, 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 the no. door has to be shut. Oh, oh absolutely. Like we're like in the air, you know, 30,000 feet above. <laughs> they can't, they and, can't take us off this plane. Yeah. And and then it was like, also, then you hear like, oh, you're not really officially an Olympian until you compete for the first time. So then it was two weeks. We got there like two weeks or something, you know, to train and, and get adjusted to the time zones and everything. And that too was just, we had, our team had multiple injuries. And so we were training seven hours a day, seven days a week there. We didn't have a single day off. And so by the time the competition came, we were just like, all right, we need like the adrenaline now because we're exhausted. Oh my God. So yeah, it was a lot that people, I guess, and, and you know this, right, as an athlete, like, but the stuff that people don't see, you know, behind closed doors, the training sessions, like they see the fairy tale moment of you, you know, your final routine and the final <laughs> scores come up and or the game winning goal. And yeah, like every and they're just like, that's what I want to do. And you're like, that's great. But <laughs> um, so much more. <laughs> yeah. And and obviously, like, I'd encourage anybody, you know, to, to be an athlete and, and whatever. But I think it was just, I think it's also in a world, you know, we live in a world where we share highlights, right? Mm, Whether it's yeah. as athletes, as, as just individuals um, and social media, I think has a lot to do with that. I'm guilty of it. I think, I think everyone to, to some degree kind of is. And so I really try to share and before this year, like when I would, you know, travel a lot and, and see, you know, young girls or women or, or kids or whatever. And, and you just try to share and not necessarily like just try to share the negative, but you try yeah. to share like what makes you real, you know, and it's not just those moments, those fairy tale moments of winning a gold medal, but it's the days where you want to quit and you don't want to go to training or it's snowing outside or whatever, you know, whatever it is. And you push yourself through those moments and, and, you know, it's, it's worth it. Yeah. And so I think like those moments are so important to share because it's like, and they're more relatable, you know, it's Absolutely. like, you know, falling or, or failing or any of those things that happen in your life. Like, that's more like who wants to listen to like you say how great your life is and you win a gold medal and like <laughs> it's amazing you know it's like yeah. yeah cool we watch that on tv that's great yeah I always say with the world cup like even this past summer with world cup I kept being like remember to tell people that this is like really really hard and like not actually that much fun for the most part like winning is fun but everything yeah. else isn't that fun <laughs> and like people don't see that you know and I think also the older you get and the more like I think the older you get, obviously, the hopefully the smarter you get and you're just like, oh, whoa, okay, this is not as fun as it was when I was five years old, just like yeah. pretending that the bars were monkey bars, you know? But yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you make it, they let you on the plane, they shut the door, <laughs> you land in Beijing, you train. Okay. I remember watching 2008 and the Olympics and you compete and Sean Johnson at the time, Johnson, she's East now. Mm -hmm. Johnson East. Johnson East, okay. So, but I didn't realize, and like, I guess I kind of remember this, that there was such this media hyped rivalry between the two of you. Mm -hmm. But from what I've researched, you guys were actually rooming together at the time during the Olympics. How did you handle that? Because that just, like, from a soccer player... 
we compete for a spot to start. But, you know, once you're on that team, you're all winning mm-hmm. the, the games. You know, you might not be playing, but like right. the W is still mm-hmm. the W for everybody. Whereas gymnastics, you have your individual events, but then you also have your team <laughs> events and you're competing against each other for individual medals, but then collectively trying to win a medal together. You're like shaking your head and it's well, because like that's that's literally like what it is at the end of the day. Obviously, the most important thing is like the medal count yeah. for Team USA, right? So it's kind of like if you do your best and if you're contributing, you're contributing to that overall medal count. But at the end of the day, there's only one medal that you can win as a team. And then after that, you know, yeah. I competed four other times to win an individual medal against in every single one except bars, I guess, every single one except for one, I was competing against a teammate. And so it's Sean, actually, every single time. And so it's like, it's so hard. And I think people don't understand yeah, because we're also so young, I, right? So yeah, maybe I was almost 19, but in my mind, I was not 19 years old, you know, and she was almost 16, but she was not like gymnast, <laughs> I think. And like, no disrespect to gymnast or whatever, but the maturity level, just because like, we're not living a normal, especially nowadays, but like a normal teenage life, you know, where so, and then on top of that, you have I know, agents that's what and sponsors. I also am so curious about because you're having to deal with like fame and hype and media attention and, and navigate this whole world as yeah. a teenager. And, and this was the first time. So, you know, I'm sure everyone knows, but we went one, two, and that was the first time that the U.S. had ever done that. And so one, on two, top of that, individual, you know, or the all individual in the all around. around mm-hmm, yeah. in the all around. Yes. The individual all around. Yes. And so, but normally there's never two gymnasts that are, well, before then, like now they're yeah. con- like consecutively there has been, but it's always been one all arounder. And so it's like mm-hmm. that favorite going into any Olympic year, they get the sponsors, oh. they get everything. And so it was very, very divided of, okay, this company signed her, we're going to sign her. Like no company Wait, was signed it like, both uh, of us. Okay. Gatorade signed her, Powerade's going to sign her. Was it like same categories and then the com- competitors? Yeah, it was oh, wow. very much like, or it would be like an Olympic sponsor that would, you know, yeah. they're only signing one gymnast. Like, you know, a, a big Olympic sponsor, if they only are signing five to 10 people or under 10 people for their whole, you know, Olympic roster. Um, yeah, they're not going to sign yeah, two of the yeah. same athletes yeah. or two of the same sports. So that it didn't really bother us. And I know I'm speaking on behalf of both of us because we have talked about this like so much now, but that's not when it okay. like got to us. It was more so after. And like we were so we were fine being roommates. We were actually really good friends just that happened to have the same exact goal. And we would just like go to sleep, like <laughs> feet apart, like staring at each other. And, you know, we both went to sleep early. Like we both like to like uh-huh. we just we were so similar yet complete different gymnasts. But compared to all of our other teammates who like they like to like play their music loud and stay up late and so like in the sense of that like we were like the like say, so scared to get in trouble like we were just of the team oh my god a hundred percent we were so scared to get in trouble like alicia who is like one of my best friends now and like love her mom of three like such an amazing mom but she That's was amazing. like the rebel of the team and like she'd have like would be blasting her music and we'd be like 
okay, well, we can't like go tell on her because like we don't want it like her to get mad at us. Like, it, yeah, it was now like That's we all so joke about it, but. So anyways, it was after the all around competition. Um, and, and that's kind of when everything changed. And I think we both knew, you know, mm-hmm. only one person could win. And, and one of us, we were the two favorite. It was either mm-hmm. going to be me or her. And so I think after, and we also still had to compete after that too. So that was, that was challenging, but having to go to sleep in that, like we weren't allowed to stay with like our parents or family or anything. Like we had to come, you know, do Wait, our so media you, and come you guys right back. And did the, you guys got your, you got a gold, she got a silver an individual all around. And then you went to bed in the same room basically. And you feel like as soon as like that, that event was over, as soon as that medal was given out, things change. I think that it wasn't necessarily like either of us being like, we can't be friends anymore. Um, I think, you know, and I've put myself obviously in her position and shoes like so many times. Um, and it, it was just tough, you know, no matter yeah. how old you are, no matter, no matter what, like, I'm sure you like, just want to go cry your eyes out. And now you're like, basically laying next to the person that beat you. Yeah. And so I think that, it was tough. It was tough on both of us. It, it, and I also wasn't going to be like, Hey, it's okay. You know, like she, she didn't want to hear yeah. from me. She didn't want to look at me, you know? So it was, it was very challenging. Um, we tried really hard. Um, I would say like we tried our best. We supported each other, um, you know, through the rest of the competition. Basically we, uh, had a few more days left. She won gold on beam and I won silver. And so I genuinely, like I, to mm. say, I was like so happy cause she had, three silvers up until and that this was her final day of competition. And so as much as, you know, being a competitor, as much as I wanted to win, I was just like, oh, gosh, yeah. like she deserves this, you know? It's, and then I think it was mm. just more so after that, it was, you know, you have two management teams, right. And it's like, you have like two of the most popular, like gymnastics is one of the yeah. most popular, you know, sports of the games. And, and you both come out as Olympic oh gold medalist God. and, you know, your rivals and you're such different people. And so then you're just like, it felt like the world just started like pitting us against each other yeah. in every single aspect. It was 10 times worse than like leading up to the Olympics when it was like, oh, she signed with this person, you know, this company. And like, then it started being like, she did, you know, Leno, <laughs> she did Letterman. Like it, everything was a competition. Yeah. And it was just- I never thought about that. And that when you're a teenager- terrible. It was awful. Like to this day, like, and then this was kind of my breaking point of flash forward. Yeah, that's what I read. I didn't even know that because the funniest part is I'm like, I obviously follow you on social media, know you. You guys seem like the best of friends. Well, (laughs) I am the godmother to her (laughs) child now. So it's like, yeah, it's crazy. Like thinking back all these years, the moment for me that it hit me. And Mm -hmm. and again, nothing happened. It then just like, you know, when... Yeah. Well, it just fizzles and then it's been too long. And then you're just like, I don't even know what to say. Like we'd obviously run into each other sometimes at events and it was just the fake. Hi, hi. How are you? (laughs) Good. Okay. Bye. And so that was even worse. And we were engaged at the same time. Um, and people started basically saying this is bride wars part two and they started like, yeah, making our weddings like a competition. Now I, you know, obviously I did not get married. Our engagement ended. Sean ended up getting married. And I remember I was in New York. I had moved to New York after I retired and, and I was going to school. I was having an interview with, um, I forget his name, New York Times. And he was like, so Sean's getting mm-hmm. married soon. And I was like, 
uh-huh. <laughs> and he's like, so are you going to go? And I'm like, and I'm like, I didn't, I'm not invited. Like I haven't talked to her in eight years. And I'm like, but what do I say? Like, I can't, like nobody really? knows about Okay, this, that's right? interesting. Yeah. And so I was like, you know, I, I'm not sure yet. Like, you know, my schedule's a little busy. Like also like what? Like if you're actually friends, like who says that? And he goes, oh, okay. Like, I don't know. I'm sure he picked up on it. I don't know. And he like excuses himself to go to the bathroom. And I just like open my phone and I have this what? long email from her. And it's her apologizing. Like, I have no idea what happened. I cannot believe it's been eight years. I miss you. Like, it hurts me so much that, you know, we were like the best of friends. We went through so much together. I'm engaged and about to get married. And it makes me so sad that like, you know, we're not in each other's lives. I understand if you don't want to talk, but like, I got a new number. I'm sure you got a new number. I know you're in New York. I'm actually coming next week for work. It would mean so much like oh my God. if I could see you. I know. And what? I was this just like. right after you got asked about it. Literally, like he was in the bathroom. And I'm like, so about that. Like, didn't but I think I might. But I think I, I'm just kidding. I think I might. So I was like, and, and at the time it was just. I literally replied like, and I think he came back. I was like, sorry, I just, I just need to like send this real quick. And I like was like, hi. And, and then I like started typing this long thing, but she had sent me her number. So then I just like texted her and I was like, hi. I was like, it's Nastia. <laughs> and like this whole thing. And I was like, I would love to see you. Like, where, when are you coming? Like, blah, blah. And so we saw each other. Um, we had brunch at the, at Gemma at the Bowery hotel. Like I still remember this moment, like so clearly. And we like both started, like we, she walked Wait, in I'm and like cry. we both started crying and it was just like, it just made, I think us realize like so many different things, but also like, we couldn't believe that we basically let the world, you know, ruin something yeah. that was like so special for no reason you know there wasn't really a re like no one did anything to each other like there wasn't anyways long story short um yes. she invited me to her wedding <laughs> and um my ex and I at the time we went and we met Andrew her husband um there and yeah now you know I'm has she has a little baby Drew and the incredible. godmother and it's just so special yeah well, that makes me so happy that, mm -hmm. that, you know, you guys are in a good place yeah. now and that's, that's all that matters. And like, that's what's, I, I feel like life, man. Yeah. It's, it's really cool. Well, I do want to talk a little bit about, obviously there was like some sad parts of maybe winning gold, but when you mm -hmm. won, like how, what was that moment like for you individually, for you and your father together? It's just, that yeah. is like the quintessential Olympic moment, you know, it's just so crazy. It really is. I think like going back to that moment and seeing my score again, because the sport is so judgmental, like as soon as I had finished, I knew going into the last event that I just kind of had to okay. like okay. land on my feet basically. So knowing that I did that, I kind of had a good idea like what the final outcome was going to be. That being said, mm -hmm. I wasn't the last competitor to go. So I still had to wait. But as soon as the score came up, like if you look back on the footage, like I still remember this like so clearly, like my score comes up. So then it like my all around comes up and my dad and I just kind of like look at each other and like 
we like smile, but like a half smile because it's like you like want to like be so excited, because but you also like can't there's more show people it completely. It still do the routine. Okay. Yeah. Like it's not the final, final standings, but it's like you kind of know that yes. in a subjective sport, you were judged, you mm. know, fairly. And like, basically you think, you know, what's going to happen in the next few minutes, yes. but you can't celebrate yet. And then when the final, final scores came up, um, it was a moment that, you know, I will remember for the rest of my life. Like it is something that I dreamed about since I was a little girl watching the Magnificent Seven at the 96 Olympics, watching them, you know, win as a, as a team, like that's, we obviously wanted that as, you know, to win gold as a team, mm-hmm. we we won silver. Um, and I think that, you know, motivated us moving forward to the next few days of competition. But just seeing the flag being raised and listening to the national anthem, and I've never in my life oh. seen my dad cry. <laughs> and I like spotted him ac- like way across the arena and he was crying. And I, that's kind of when I lost it. And then hearing the announcer say like, for the first time, like my name next to the Olympic gold medalist, that was just like a a moment that like you kind of dream about when you're a little girl. And then when it's actually happening, you're just like, you don't really believe it. Um, And yeah, it was, it was a moment of, I think so many different feelings of kind of like, I think I just immediately went back to, you know, the little fights that we had in the gym and the moments that I wanted to give up and the obstacles that I had to overcome and the injuries and the doubters and, and all of the things that we kind of got through together. I also think like the coach should stand up there with you or get something because it's just, we won in, um, in London. I was like, wait, the coach doesn't get a medal. Yeah. It's like, it's a little beyond me because like, yeah, I understand like the athletes are out there, but it's, we can't do it without them by any means. And so, and it had been exactly 20 years since he competed. So it was just like a very special, like a 20 year. And he actually got the silver in the all around by 0.001 or 0.01, something like, like one tenth or something. And so for 20 years, he kind of said like, he remembered that. <laughs> and so I guess when like that happened, he was like, okay, you all like, you raised oh my all gosh. of that. <laughs> yeah. And so it was very special. I think the thing I struggled with even that day was the enormous amount of pride and accomplishment that I felt immediately. I was like, mm. what now? Because it was this moment that for 18 years of my life, that was like this big life, quote unquote, lifelong (laughs) dream. You have these like short term goals, obviously, daily, weekly, whatever is kind of like getting you through that season or that year or that day. But ultimately, that big goal was to win the Olympics at the 2000 Olympics. And now I had just done that. And now you're like, wait a second, like, this is great. Don't get me wrong. But it, it was like waking up the next day, even though I still had a few more days of competition, it was just like this strange feeling of accomplishment mixed with like almost like sadness and like glimpses of depression that it was over. No, I feel you. You know, everything that you would put in was, Mm -hmm. it it was done. Like, and yes, it worked, like it kind of worked out in your favor, but it was very much like this letdown of, and I think like so many athletes don't talk about Olympic, that. Post-Olympic you know, depression like is, I think, Millions real. and billions. Yeah. Oh, it is. It's very real. Very real. And, and yeah, so it was like this like scary feeling of like, what now? And 
the millions of people that like, quote unquote, fall in love with you, watching you at the Olympics, cheering you on, winning a gold medal. And then, you know, the very next year or the next month or the next week, whatever, you're like, wait, where are those people? You know, like (laughs) nobody's cheering for me. No one's telling me, you know, and I think that that's where I struggled for actually years, I think, to kind of Mm -hmm. figure out who I was just like, yeah as a person and not necessarily as a gymnast and Olympic gold medal, like any of like yeah. our, the accomplishments, right? Like those aren't the things that define you. And it wasn't until four years later. Yeah. I, I fell on my that. face <laughs> at Olympic trials. Yeah. Like that was the moment that I mm. finally realized that like it took me four plus years to kind of understand that, our accomplishments and success, like that's mm-hmm. not going to define you. Yeah. I, I had one of those moments or I had two of those when I didn't make the 2011 world cup squad originally. And then in 2016 mm-hmm. when we lost, but so those came and like you said, like, well, I want you to kind of touch on this, your fall from the bars, but it comes from mm-hmm. when you do fail and then you're like okay well I'm not a winning yeah <laughs> like soccer player gymnast or whatever what am yeah. I <laughs> yeah machine yeah yeah it's crazy right so after 2008 did you continue you continued to compete and you were like I definitely want to go for 2012 like how did those next four <laughs> years play out because you ultimately chose or decided to try for the 2012 Olympics so kind of explain that period of time Yeah. So the very next year, our national championships were in Dallas and all very much planned. (laughs) Great marketing. And so I was pressured by, you know, myself and and others to compete at a hometown nationals, you know, a few months after I won the Olympics, essentially. Like I said, it was it was less than a year, I think. But, um, you know, we go on tour. It's a three month tour. 30, 40 cities. We are, you know, not training seven hours a day, like barely training at all. This is the first time in our lives that we're having fun, you know, not with our coach. Yeah. Like we're not with our coaches. We're like adults. Like, yeah, you're, you're having fun essentially. And so then it always kind of ends before the holidays. And so then it's like, okay, whoa, nationals are six ish, seven months. And like, I have not taken more than a day or two off my entire career. And now I just basically took three months off. And so anyways, long story short, I competed. In in the national championships in 2009, in Dallas. Yeah, in Dallas, like terrible. Like I also like beyond not, you know, tour and like everything after the Olympics, like even leading up to nationals, like, you know, we kind of push back sponsor obligation like everything till mm-hmm. after the olympics essentially or as much as we can like obviously there's stuff you have to do before the olympics but so that was kind of my time to like be doing everything you know either contractually yep. or other yeah. new things that were coming your way and it's like you take Absolutely. advantage of those opportunities and so it was very conflicting because it was like okay this isn't mm-hmm. why mm-hmm. i started gymnastics or why i'm doing the sport but now because of how this went for me and these things are co- like you're like, do I take advantage of the opportunities or am I supposed to feel bad about taking advantage? Like you don't really understand. And then it's like, but we decided to have nationals in Dallas yeah. because like of you and like, this is your home. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? I am not ready for that. Yeah. I was like, I do not need to be in a leotard right now. Like I am not in any kind of like competitive shape, you know, like 
physically, mentally, emotionally, like none of the above. Um, I ended up competing and that was like, I was so not happy. And that was the first time where I was like, mm. wait, this is weird. Like, I'm not happy doing something yeah. that I love so much. Like I need to take a step back and kind of like reevaluate you know, why all of a sudden this isn't bringing me joy? Like, do I still love the sport? Do mm -hmm. I still want to keep going? Like, it was just like a basically yeah. you have to do this. And my dad hated it. Like he hated the fact that like, I was competing, you know, like for a coach to like put your athlete out there when you're just like, the last time anyone saw you, you were winning the Olympics. And now it's like, <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah, it was not great. And that was kind of when I, we sat, he was just like, listen, like, either need to do this or not and like no like hard feelings but like as your dad I want to be like go yeah. take advantage you know but like but if you want to compete at mm -hmm. worlds this year or next year like you have to stop yeah. like you can't travel like mm. we have to go back to what worked when you won the Olympics and I was like whoa I'm not I don't think I'm ready for that so I kind of took like the next year or two probably two I think yeah just living and you know doing all the things and then it was kind of like I think it was around a year before London maybe a little bit more um a year and a half uh and and I remember being like whoa okay like the Olympics are now like the next Olympics are closer than yeah. you know, the past ones were basically and I I just it was that fear started creeping in of you know having regret and I just knew that I was going to be in London one way or the other, whether I was competing, maybe working mm -hmm. or, or cheering and supporting, you know, my teammates on whatever that was. And I just knew that I didn't want to be sitting in the stands thinking, what if? And, you know, what if I would have tried and just given it my all yeah. regardless of the outcome? And that's what I did. And my shoulder was like, I had a torn mm -hmm. rotator cuff and labrum that like didn't require, it wasn't fully, but it was like enough to not be able to train. You know, it was just like not really going my way but I also was like mm. but I'm too far in to just like stop now like so it was very it was challenging but I also just was like all right I'm not gonna just you know walk away now and I want this on my own terms and so yeah. I made it all the way to trials yeah and you know going in this time you're the reigning Olympic all-around gold medalist like <laughs> a lot more pressure and a lot more expectations and a lot more eyes on you and and I remember on my best event bars, um, last day of competition, I, I, like I went back and watched this and face planted. before this, this conversation, you <laughs> fell to <laughs> say face first. You literally flat, what you, belly flopped onto the mat. So that's actually the first thing that we're taught is how to fall. So like, oh, that really? was like that's how you're thing. supposed to fall. Like as flat. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Because if you think about it, <laughs> how high yeah. and also just the impact that you're falling you spread it out over your full you body break so many yeah. different like your back your arm like you're just like taught to fall completely flat that being said it does not feel good like those mats are not yeah, soft like, so you did a good job with your fall is what you're saying <laughs> basically i fell but um, i fell well I even, like <laughs> fixed, fixed my hair <laughs> so i remember laying there and thinking like it happened so fast. So immediately mm -hmm. you're like, whoa, why am I on the floor? My dad, the in, like the dad instinct comes out right away. And he's like, are you okay? Are you hurt? And so many people are like, why didn't he catch you? Like he was standing there. So it happened so fast that like, and I touched the bar, like my fingers touched the bar, right? So 
from when I like touched to when I fell was like 0.000, like, like a millisecond. So and <laughs> oh, it was just cool. Had I, had I caught the bar and he would have touched me or grabbed me, the deduction is worth the same as a fall. Oh. So in his mind, he's like, wait, I think mm. she might have it. She might not. Like, he doesn't know what to do. And he's like, but if she catches it, I don't want to be the reason. Like, yes. essentially, yes. she's falling either way almost. So long story short, I'm like, I'm fine. Meanwhile, like, oh my had a mild concussion. But like... Didn't really know, like I was just like in shock and and I think immediately I was embarrassed. Like that was my first feeling was mm-hmm. you are the best in the world. You are not supposed to fall on your face, literally or figuratively. I wanted to crawl mm-hmm. like under the podium. And then I was like, okay, wait, this isn't yeah. how my career ends. Like, this isn't how it ends. And so he said, I remember he was like, you don't have to finish. Like he just wanted dad mode kicked in. He wanted like his daughter to be safe. And, and essentially I think for me to just be done. And I said, no, like you always told me no matter what you, you have to finish what you've started. And for me, that was at least just that bar So I had 30 seconds left to get, once you fall, you have 30 seconds to get back on the bar and finish or else you you get a zero. That's so fast. I think the judges were like a little nice. Like, I think they gave me a little more time. Honestly, they were all like American judges. So, but I remember quickly chalking up and just being like, you know what? You just like better land on your feet, like on your dismount. And, and I did. And immediately I knew like my dreams Mm -hmm. of making that Olympic team were over. And also like, I was so embarrassed that I literally fell on my face and turned in front of 20,000 people there and millions watching back at home. And by the way, like you were the best in the world. Like the, the expectations for someone that is the greatest is to, is to be the best and to be the greatest and not fall on their face. And so I think there were so many feelings in that moment. And then all of a sudden I started seeing like people stand on their feet and I was like, Oh, that must be nice. Like someone else just went and had the best routine of their life and they're on their way to, you know, making the Olympic team. And I look around the arena and nobody is going, I was Um, the last person to go. And so I'm like, why? (laughs) I'm like, what? And then I quickly realized like these people were giving me a standing ovation it was the first standing ovation of my entire career for the worst routine of my entire career. And that was the moment that I realized like, we are not defined by our success. We are not defined by a placement, a medal, a title, a salary, you know, a a job title, a relationship, like any of those things don't define us as people that was the moment that I realized like, okay, these people are clapping and cheering just for me as a person. Oh my God, that routine did not deserve a standing ovation. You want to cry multiple times. (laughs) Oh, that's so, that's so true. But I think it's, I think everyone feels that way to a certain extent at some period or point in their lives, but especially us as athletes, I think we feel that to an extreme that we are basically like our worth sometimes feels justified by each competition or each tournament or each game. And you're only as good as, you know, the last time that you went and you're trying to constantly prove 
to people that you deserve to be loved and supported and cheered for and like all these things. And at the end of the day, you're like, wait, but like, yeah, who am I? Like, am I even just like happy and proud of myself mm-hmm. and not my performance? It's right. So like, true. Oh my gosh. So I think it's so true. Wow. And yeah. And I just think like, you know, four years prior winning the pinnacle of my, what I thought was the pinnacle of my career. Yeah. People were clapping and cheering. No one was standing on their feet. Like no one was giving me a standing ovation. <laughs> like they were like, okay, good job, honey. But it, it was the relatability. Like not many people can relate to winning an Olympic gold medal. Every single person in this world can relate to falling on their face literally or figuratively. And it's how do I pick myself up and how do I keep going? And, and how do I not let that fall define me and who yeah, I am as a person? Incredible. And so it's like that, that sums it up perfectly for, like you said, how I feel so many athletes feel and go through and that, you know, that question of self-worth and where it comes from. And, you know, like we've, I mean, obviously between you and I, like we've been so lucky to be as successful as we have been in our sport. And, and obviously you're, you're still going. And, but I think that a lot of athletes and a lot of people aren't as lucky to sometimes feel, you know, like the success and the winning and all of that. And so, so much of their career and their lives are, are constantly these moments of, of not feeling enough because they may never feel, you know, what it's like to, to win or, or to be the best or, or whatever. And so that's kind of when, when I started thinking that and realizing that I'm like, whoa, like win or lose, like, yeah, it doesn't define us, you know, it's it, in my, in my parents, it just like, then it made me realize I'm like, oh, this is like what they've always told me since day one. Like they didn't care if I won an Olympic gold medal. They, they wanted me to be, you know, a great daughter and a great friend and, you know, a great teammate and have a good heart and and hopefully one day be a, a great wife and mom. And, and, and that's what life is more about and not necessarily like, yeah. how many medals you win. What's on the score? Not. What's because on the score sheet? It's not, those it's not are, about that. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're tough to yeah, me to say. Especially like, your no dad. One sees oh my gosh. Well, do you <laughs> yeah. feel like that moment, because, you know, after that, you officially retired. And do you feel like that, I mean, you have said that moment was kind of a defining moment for you in your career, but also yeah. more importantly in your life. So do you think that that helped you transition out of gymnastics and into normal life I'm putting air quotes around it because that's you know that's you had never you had never done that yet you hadn't figured out like who am I outside of Nastia the gymnast Mm -hmm. yeah I think the greatest thing well I went on tour again (laughs) um went well went to the Olympics literally the next day my agent gets a call from NBC and that is what you know it's like I think it's such a truce that when one door closes another one opens and that's kind of where like my broadcast career essentially started, I guess. And I went on tour after that. But then in January, I I moved to New York and I started school at NYU. I'd been putting school off for about six years at this point. And so it was um, the combination of gymnastics now being done and moving to a new city and being in school and trying to make real friends and trying to fit in and try... It was really scary. And like I was 22, 22, 23. 
So, you know, a little older than most freshmen going to college, but <laughs> my first day of class, this group of like students in my class, they're like, hey, we have like a fake ID for you if you want to come out with us. And I'm like, I'm almost 23. And they're like, oh, don't tell on us. I'm like, okay. But that was when I was like, well, shoot, there goes like that group of friends. Like they're never going to want. So I so badly just like wanted to be normal. And it, in, and it was, t- I majored in sports management. So that was also challenging because it was around the Olympics and, and my full name's actually Anastasia. And I tried going by that, but I've never responded or gone by that. So like, it would get called in my entire would, life. So like answer. that was a fail. And I would just be like, literally. Yeah. And I was like, okay, work. this, this is not going to work. So, so then I just, I think that just like living and being the only child and obviously being super close to my parents, like it it was tough, but I think it was the best thing that I could have done. And yeah, I think like that was the moment that just made me kind of realize, like I started making real friends and they didn't care. Like my real friends didn't care. Like, yeah, cool. That's great. Like you were a gymnast. Okay. But that wasn't, of course there were the people that, you know, wanted to be my friend wanted to date me and like all those things because of like my accomplishments. But you learn to like re- pick up on that very quickly. And I just, yeah, it was, it was the, some of the greatest years of my life, just kind of being Nastia and not, you know, being a gymnast and not being defined by like, for the first time in my life, like no one had to know what my score was on my like exam. That, yeah. And oh, so it was, I, I was like yeah. so competitive, but I think it also made me realize that, if you can look at it like in a different way of, you know, I did gymnastics as opposed to I was a gymnast or I am a gymnast. Like it sounds so simple, but when you sit back and think about it, 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 that, Mm -hmm. that's where it starts, right? Like that's where like the defining kind of starts. And again, like I am proud that gymnastics is such a huge part of my life and, and forever will be like I, it's something I still love to this day, but it's it's yeah. not who I am. That's awesome. And I feel like, I mean, you have obviously flourished post gymnastics career. And I feel like that's a large part due to the fact that you were able to have that almost reckoning with yourself and, mm-hmm. you know, come to that realization that like I am. Nastia, I'm not Nastia. And, you know, I've won an Olympic gold medal. I've won a bunch of medals, but who am I as a human, as a person? And I think that's so important and so relatable for not just, you know, other athletes, but just people in general. I feel like so many people define themselves by what they do, what they've accomplished, as opposed to like who they are to their core. And I I think it's important to be able to do that because I feel like that's how you get the most joy out of life. So I feel like this is, I mean, all of these, this has been amazing and I've loved all of your perspective. And I feel like so many people are going to really benefit from hearing this, especially from you. Like, I hope so. Um, Okay. So we have some repeat questions that we do. And the first one um, is second repeat question. They say, work hard, get lucky. How much of your success is predicated on luck? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I feel like in a sport like gymnastics, there's definitely some luck in the sense of, you know, it being subjective <laughs> and, you know, the stars aligning and you having a good day, especially knowing it's for so many once in a lifetime or every four years for some, um, if you're lucky. But I would say like 
90, 90, 10, like 90% hard work. Like it's just, I've never been one to rely on luck. Like I don't think that that's, if you can work harder, why wouldn't you? Like, why would you rely on luck or, you know, someone to not work hard or someone to not have a good day? So yeah, I would say 90, 10. All right. I dig it. Okay. So you've obviously accomplished so much as a gymnast, but now you're accomplishing so much outside of gymnastics. So for you personally, where do you go next and how do you keep pushing? That's a good question. I think my biggest thing is, you know, relaunching and rebranding a company and brand that I started a few years ago and kind of took a pause on it, but I'm rebranding it now and it's called the Muse Collective and, and really just trying to create a platform and a community to inspire the next generation. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, to inspire the next gymnast to become Olympic champions. Like that's not what it's about. It's more so how do we, you know, come together as women or not, not even necessarily just as women, but I think just as individuals and support each other and support each other's dreams and, and being in such a competitive sport for so many years, I'm so like over the competition aspect that I'm like, how can like we build each other up? And, you know, what did I learn? Kind of what I was saying, like, what did I learn that I can pass along to, to others now, like what, what in my journey and my story might resonate with someone, you know, going through something right now that could help them. And, um, so yeah, so I'm excited about that. That is something that I have been working on and, and kind of like different avenues and and things within the brand and in the company itself. I love it. I'm excited to see that take off for you. I think that'll be awesome. And I'm sure so many people will enjoy that. And I know that so many people all of these, all of our listeners are going to love this episode. And I'm so thankful that you came on and gave so much of your time today and shared your story and were vulnerable and honest and open and awesome. And I just, I loved this conversation. So I appreciate it. Thank you. Me too. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for listening. For more great sports content, go to justwomensports.com and be sure to subscribe to our newsletter. Our show was co-produced by Just Women Sports and Boom Integrated. Big thanks to our executive producers, Haley Rosen, Adrian Glover, and Robin Lyne. John Murray and Sydney Shaw do our research. Production by Jen Grossman, Jeannie Montalvo, Victoria Gruenberg, Clint Rhodes, and Juan Garcia Ticula. Special thanks to Jesse Louie, Haley Kottmeyer, Savon Nadler, Dory Newman, Isis Haywood, and Kathleen Lumabi. I'm Kelly O'Hara, and you've been listening to the Just Women Sports Podcast. Catch you next time.